Welcome to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann. Today, I'm going to take you on a little journey. We're going to catch up, have a conversation with a friend, and then the Ask Lisa Ann portion. That's right. The mailbag is back. I want to thank you all for listening. If you are a return listener, I appreciate you for the inspiration on my curiosity to have conversations with different types of guests, to keep our mojo, positive vibes only in 2022. And if you're a new listener, thank you for choosing me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us in the podcast world so much. And go back and catch up. It's been a great year of really incredible guests. I thank every single one of my guests for making time out of their lives to share with us and let us all get to know them a bit more just like you're going to get to know me right now and the joy that I am feeling to be getting back out and traveling and doing things. So I'm a big manifest your thoughts, right? Manifest your reality. Your thoughts become actions. And so as winter approached, I was like, I'm going to go skiing this year. I'm going to go skiing. I told my friends I'm going to go skiing. They're like, when? Like, I don't know, but I'm going to go skiing. And I really didn't want to do the Pennsylvania, which is close to me here in New York City, because growing up in PA, those were the only slopes you knew. So they're short slopes. They're not long runs. They're usually a bit choppy because it's a lot of man-made snow. Even though the mountains are great, there's no altitude. There's not a lot of great fresh powder. Like if there's a fresh snowstorm and you try to get up there, it's almost impossible because the roads are barely cleared. So I was like, I don't want to do the Pennsylvania thing. I was thinking about Killington, Vermont, which I'd skied before. Of course, I really want to do Alaska because it was the best skiing I've ever done in my entire life with just letter K. Um, but it comes to me about a month ago. I'm talking to my friends at Fit Soda right here, which is a delightful, refreshing, and also very healthy zero-calorie drink. Where else can you get something you love that is zero calories? And it's got some goodness too. Benefits with bubbles is kind of the campaign. Amino acids for recovery, electrolytes for hydration, no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. It is sugar-free and it is vegetarian. All those things aligned with my values. So I've been, you know, enjoying this beverage for quite some time. Uh, Kuyos is the main company and I was drinking their drinks until this fit soda came into my life. And I was like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on all the flavors. I'm hooked on all of it. So we were talking, uh, and I realized they're in Denver and I'm thinking like, I need to get a trip out to Denver. That's where I want to ski. I haven't skied Denver yet. Like I haven't done Denver. So I reached out to another friend of mine, Austin. I'm like, where's the good spots to ski? He's like, of course, Vail, but it's always so packed and, you know, Breckenridge is great. And, you know, just, just, you know, try and get yourself out here. So I'm trying to plan a trip to just visit my friend Austin. And I start talking to my friend, Chris Miller, uh, Bev boss, who's CEO of Kuyos and Fit Soda. And he's like, Hey, we'll bring you out. We'll shoot some fun content for Fit Soda. So, uh, when's it work? So we shuffled around some ideas on dates and last weekend, was the weekend. I got to go out to Denver, uh, meet a ton of new people, be a part of the team, the content creators, uh, Maddie Ghost, just amazing. Carson, just a delight. Um, Gina, my main girl now, that's up G, uh, and Chris. So it was my first time meeting them in person, even though I've spoken to Chris over the past five, six years uh, by email, text. We've done some, some business together and they've always sent me the product because I love it so much. So I get out there 
And we're going to be going up to Breckenridge. First, I was a guest on their podcast, which I will make sure you are all aware of so you can catch me on there because it's always fun for me to hear questions that other people have of me. Like I'm always intrigued. Like what do they want to know? Uh, Gina and Chris had both read my book, so they had a lot of information already and did the podcast. Then we went out to dinner and then we drove up the mountain to Breckenridge. And it was snowing in Denver. That is not a big deal because it still feels warm. You're like, whatever. But once you get up in those massive mountains, you're like, okay, these are like some serious winter roads, like the roads I remember driving on when I was a young woman and saying, I don't want to live in a winter place because being an 18-year-old, 16, 17, it's starting to drive and it's winter. It's so scary. Um, but Chris was driving. We got up to this awesome, awesome house. Uh, that he had rented for all of us. The team was all going up, content creators, all of us were going up there, beautiful house. And we got up there, chilled, hot tub outside. It was going to be a full moon the next night. I was very excited because it was beautiful. The stars, the clear air, just everything so beautiful. And then the next morning, we got up to start our ski adventure. And each time I ski, like I've been skiing since I was very young. I started skiing when I was about four. I was in ski school all through high school. Um, My uncle skied. Um, So I love skiing. But you're always like, as you get older, you have this thing where people come to you and they're like, please be careful. You know, you could get hurt or please, you know, what was the last time you skied? Are you okay? And so you get this in your head. It's everybody else's data. But you also do think like, oh, I don't want to get hurt. You know, I hope I can still ski. I hope I'm still good at this. I hope I don't fall. And then you put skis on and then you're me. And you're like, wow, these mountains are a lot bigger than Pennsylvania, way higher up than me and Kay skied in Alaska to the very top of the peak, like unbelievable trails, slopes that you can take 20 minutes to get down because there's all these different options. Which, which way do we want to go? We're going to stay on this. We're going to take a black diamond. What are we going to do? And I will say I made it through the entire ski day, but I did fall on the last run. Not a bad fall. Didn't get hurt. Totally fine. It was just a, at the point in the day where, you know, when you're in the altitude, it's interesting because there's a lot of snow. It's snowing, but it's hot because the sun is so hot. So there's spots that get icy. And then you have the combo of skiers and snowboarders, which really create a different pattern. And it starts to get packed down. And it gets a little bit icy. Also, my legs were getting a bit tired. And Chris was like, I'm done for the day. My legs are tired. Like we've done a ton of runs. And Uh, The altitude started to get to me and I'm like, you know, I got to do one more. (laughs) It was that one more. We're halfway down. I was like, my legs are on fire. They're burning. And uh, I was holding my poles in one hand. I was holding a GoPro in another hand. I was narrating the entire adventure. And then out of nowhere, I hit a patch of ice and my back, my skis got clipped in the back together. So I planted. Um, It was the first time I had snow on my bright blue outfit that I loved so much. But One small fall, not really that big of a deal. Uh, Not getting hurt. The only thing that was sore the next day was my calves because walking in ski boots uh, and having ski boots on, but had an awesome time. And I'm so thankful uh, for the team, for Fit Soda, for Chris, for bringing me out and showing me such an awesome time. We got back into the city on Saturday. He had a really special day for a project that their company puts together called Cheat Day. You're going to love the video. I saw a preview today. Uh, we had a private room at the restaurant at the Four Seasons, and it was just like some of the wildest and best food. I ate everything that they brought out. Uh, I expanded the palate just because it's called a cheat day. So I had to eat things. When you watch the video, you will see what I'm talking about. But I ate, and it was amazing. And I had just such an incredible trip. 
I'm so thankful to be getting out again and to be doing things and also to be believing in the manifesting your thoughts because your thoughts become a reality. I knew I was going to ski and I skied the day before the first day of spring. So I mean, think about how close I was to the edge of it no longer being ski season, but I got it in. And I'm going to be getting in a ton of other upcoming adventures, visits with friends and things. I have some incredible interviews coming up and I've been getting out and doing interviews and I have to remind myself that sometimes people may or may not bring me onto their show to do their best to make me look bad, do their best to edit things creatively, to make it look like I said things that I didn't, to keep me on as the controversial guest as opposed to the pretty guest or the successful guest or the entrepreneur. Um, and I recently did one of those and I felt great about the interview as it happened. I derailed as many topics as I could. I felt really good about the interview until I saw the captions on YouTube when I went to the slider and there were segments that they introduced me as, so tell us about these girls. And then when you go on the slider, it says like Lisa Ann breaks down the hose. Like, oh my gosh. Um, there have been some clips dropped on social media where I went back and watched the whole thing three more times to find out where I said that, where I answered that question. Then I went and watched their other videos. And because the host wears the same suit all the time, uh, they're able to take something from another interview in a social media post where they're only showing one person at a time. And then they go back to that question and then they use an answer that I used for something else. The fuckery. The amount of work to kind of mislead somebody that you're curious about them releasing a new book and you're curious about their life and their journey and places they've been and things they've done to then omit some things from the main YouTube video so that you can then put it on social media in a different way. Can we call it clever? We can call it clever. We could also just call it straight up fuckery because that's really, really what it is. But it's reminded me that my straight up enthusiasm about being out and to be invited on podcast has been, uh, let me just say I have been just going in like doe-eyed, like when I first got into the industry with just no trust issues, uh, with no, who are these people and why would they want this? And before the pandemic, I was like super issues with trust, super trust issues, like in the biggest way possible. And I think I forgot about this. I think I forgot that there's a large portion of the world that doesn't want to, or maybe they can't process that a girl that was a successful porn star for many years of her life could also be an intelligent human being. I think they want to try to continue to keep the narrative the same. They don't want people to think any differently because then the shock value isn't there, then the entertainment value isn't there, and then the overall, we kind of got to degrade this woman, isn't there. I've been so fortunate with my seven-year career with SiriusXM, with my return visits to Barstool, with people that I just trust to not be thrown back in this again. And this interview that I did with the now slow burn of the social media posts coming out with me going back and seeing the slider and being like, I'm like, oh yeah, Lisa, there's that. There's other people have ulterior motives 
for communicating with you. They might not always want to bring out the best in you. Keep that in check. Remember this. Um, Don't go out of your bubble. I'm going to stay in my bubble. This was a reminder to stay in my bubble. And I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you this now uh, because I'd been processing it all for about a week and it continues because of new social media posts dropping. It continues to kind of uh, burn my eyeball and kind of give me chills down my spine, especially, you know, when there's things that I know I didn't answer that question. And I know that I had such a positive outlook on the interview and I used the words that would be positive, that would be the way that I project myself. And then I decided to look at the comments of people saying horrible things about me. I forgot what it was like when people want to shame and humiliate me because when they do that, then that's the also their audience and their audience also wants to shame and humiliate me. And so I've been in this beautiful little bubble, right? I've been in this bubble of like, I create my own podcast. I have Kay doing all my editing. I have my assistant center in the room on Fridays, 2 p.m. Eastern time for the YouTube premiere of this said podcast, Lisa Ann Experience, uh, YouTube channel, The Really Ann. You know, I've been in this like safe space. Like I've been in this controlled environment. And now I'm getting back out into the world. And it was really refreshing being with the team out in Denver and spending time with Chris and Gina and spending and Maddie and Carson because I could feel that their intentions for me were pure. I could feel we were learning things from each other. I was showing them some things on social. They were showing me some things I didn't know to do on social and I could feel it. But stranger danger, I took a chance and had no idea how this was going to play out, but I did not in one second think that doing that podcast was going to have this type of a spin. And it just was a little bit of a reminder, which I'm completely over now. That's why I'm sharing it with you. If I'm too emotionally connected, I won't talk about it until I can let it go. My assistant has been incredibly supportive. I brought it to her and I said, you know, this is really bumming me out. Like I just really realized that I put myself in a situation to be shamed and made to look like an idiot, even though I worked so hard and I was dressed professionally and um, all of those things. So Yeah. Getting out has its pros and cons. There's way more pros, but I remember the cons are people don't understand me and they don't want to understand me because it's much easier to oppress people that are successful from a world that you don't understand than it is to try to understand them. Those of you who have been my followers have heard me say this multiple times, but for those of you who are new to this show, I will tell you the reason I got into the industry is on my own young. I was dancing young. I interviewed adult film stars for two years while I worked at a club, Al's Diamond Cabaret. I asked them every question like, what's the travel like to how do I get on a box cover to who shouldn't I shoot for? What should I look out for? You know, all of these things. And my goals from 16 years old have always been the same, to have travel and see the world, to have financial freedom and to make my own schedule. So who's the fucking idiot that needs to be shamed? The person that wants to shame me for not understanding my goals and that I stayed true to my authentic self. I understand that not everybody in the world is going to understand where I came from. I understand that. But to just instantly judge or to know that somebody isn't an idiot and make them look like an idiot is next level unacceptable. I will say the idiot is the person that is working the job that they hate to make somebody else look bad, to give them self-clout when I'm over here just doing my thing. 
So to close on that topic, I need to be stranger danger aware again. I need to have some serious trust issues. And many of you will probably know which interview I'm talking about. But yeah, I advise you to go on the slider and see the subcaptions for the topics. <gasps> Way to make me be hated. Way to try and get people to want to kill me. Um, there's that. So I will now be a lot more careful with my time, with my voice, and with my interviews. I will stay in the safe place with the people that I've already met, seen, and been around um, because that's 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 what works for me. And we all have to stay in that comfort zone. But comfort zone right here, I bring you one of my best friends. Uh, my friend Justin, who is a firefighter at Squad 18. You may have seen me post photos from Squad 18 before. I am in the Squad 18 Firehouse Fantasy Football League. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to go just sit and chill. Justin and I met in the most roundabout way because I saw the fire truck. I was outside at an event. I wanted to go outside and get photos with the fire truck. I got to meet him. We just became great friends. Uh, we go to see the Rockets together every year. We have traditions. He's a wonderful human being. And I find what they do and what I've learned from the firefighters at Squad 18 and how many different calls they get and how many things they have to be prepared for, I found it really fascinating because most of my life I thought firemen only put out fires and that was the only time. I thought they just sat around and cooked all day until there was an actual fire. That's not the case. They're on call for the time that they're living at the firehouse because they live for their shifts where they sleep upstairs. It's the oldest firehouse on the island as well. has a has a cast iron spiral staircase that goes up to the bunkers where they sleep. But it's a fascinating lifestyle and career. And I just thought it would be great to share my friend with you today. Today, I bring you a guest that's not only falls in the interesting people category, but falls into the friends I met along the way. That is my friend, Justin Ensman, who you can follow at Eman6 on Twitter and IG. Justin, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time. I would like to shout out first and foremost, you're one of the very few men in my life that does not need to do better, Justin. You do very well. <laughs> Thank you. You've been a great friend to me since we met. Now, we pulled up the photo when we were going to see the Rockettes in December. What year yeah. was that? Oh, God, I'd have to look on my phone. It's about 10 years ago now. Yeah, I think it was like 2013 or 2012. Yeah, it was like 10 or 11 um, we, years. We met. This was even before I was able to be a part of your league, which we will get to. But let's first start with you. You have been a firefighter with Squad 18 in New York City for how many years? Well, I've been uh, with the fire department coming on 25 years. I was a paramedic for three years, and I've been a firefighter for 22 years. Do all firefighters become paramedics first to be able to handle situations or was that just something you did? No, it was, it was something that I was interested in. And years ago, they created a program called the Fire Cadet Corps. Um, while I was still in college. I was a college athlete and they had this, I went to like career day and they had a fire department recruiting uh, booth there. And this, this firefighter was like, Hey, you look like you're in shape. You're interested in being a firefighter. And I was like, yeah, I I'd thought about it, but I never put a lot of thought into it because I just thought those guys were like superheroes. And I, in, in my mind, like I still don't do what those guys did, you know, when I was growing up and um, he got me into this, I, you know, signed up for the application and it was a number of interview processes. And uh, I made it into the cadet corps and it was a year of, uh, 
EMS training. They be, we became EMTs. Um, the program focused on uh, becoming EMTs and physical fitness. And once we all became EMTs, we were uh, hired by the fire department into the Bureau of Emergency Medical Services. And once there, I was just, I always wanted to learn more and I kind of gravitated to being a paramedic and that's how I became paramedic and I still do it and I still love it. And, you know, it's different, but uh, it's part of what got me into the fire department and I think a great way to get into the fire department. Yeah, I mean, also a great way as being an active firefighter, you have that extra like it's like a Swiss army knife, right? You're handling panicked situations already and you don't know if those emergency vehicles are going to show up on time to start helping somebody that might be injured. So that training for you probably comes into play more than you would have thought, right? It it, it definitely does. It helps us uh, when you know we deal with a lot of traumatic emergencies where people get hurt from what a number of instances. And uh, so we're just able, it helps myself and other members who have EMS training just to, um, you know, we don't uh, progress the injury with the person that we treat and they, you know, the whole idea is that they're better off when we find them than, you know, than when we got there. So we're able to not exacerbate their injuries. We're able to treat their injuries as well as package them for whatever extrication they need. For what most people visualize for a firefighter is just putting out fires, right? You see this on TV, all the fire trucks are there, but there's a lot more to it. And you're now called on in New York City to handle a lot of other things than just fires. Can you elaborate on all of the times you guys are called that it's not fire related? Well, part of it is uh, medical calls. So uh, my company and, and engine companies throughout the city we go on high priority uh, medical calls. So if somebody may be in cardiac arrest, if somebody's having difficulty breathing, if somebody's having chest pain, um, we go to those scenes. You know, uh, the, the things that can kill somebody or the things that put people into shock. So those are t some of the types of runs that we do on. We go to hazardous materials runs. Um, we go to technical rescue runs, people that are in the water, um, accidents, car accidents, uh, machinery accidents. Uh, high angle rope rescues, people who, who get hit by trains, people who get stuck in machinery. If buildings come down, um, uh, odors of gas, you know, we have a, we live in a very old city. So a lot of yeah. our infrastructure needs to be, um, there's problems, you know, not, nothing yep. cracks and just stuff from time. And, you know, so we go to those incidents as well. And that's something I don't think people really realize is how many variables there are in being a fireman, right? You just see it on the news one way. We don't really see it any other way. So with all of these things that you could be called for at any time, how do you prepare yourself mentally when that call comes in and you guys are rushing to get on the truck and get to that location? Well, that's just training. You know, I'm lucky. I get to work with, uh, you know, the best men and women in the world. So when we do our training, you know, we train over and over uh, and it starts in probie school. Uh, when you're a brand new firefighter, you go to the probie school at uh, the fire academy and it's just going over and over your training and trusting your training. So when we do go to an incident, we have a plan and we have an idea of what we have to do and it's just implementing it. So uh, if you trust your training and you're confident in your training and you drilled over and over and over again, on it 
it, it, it falls into place. You know, it's uh, it, I always reminded I, I was a big Kobe fan. So you ever see the video of Kobe where he talks about, hey, if you take, you know, 10,000 shots a day for however many years, you've taken so many more shots than the other guy, you know. So and that's what we do. You know, we just we drilled so much throughout our career that it's just another shot for us. It's amazing. Are you ever afraid when you arrive at some at an incident? Yeah, sure. I don't I, I any firefighter that says they've never been afraid at some incident is probably lying, you know, but again, it's trusting your training and going trusting the men and women that we work with, you know, like I said, I've got it easy. I work with the best men and women in the world. So I know those guys will go through walls for me and, and vice versa. So, um, that's just part of the job, part of the culture, you know, there's definitely a bond between firemen, safety officers, police officers, because you are constantly watching each other's back. And you also do know as much training as you have, this is a team effort. Everybody has a role to make this, you know, to accomplish this mission, right? You're now training young firemen all over the U S to have this same mindset, skill set, and completion record of success at helping saving people and these things. What's it like for you to be in the opposite place of when you walked up to somebody at a career day and just started thinking about it? How do you see, does everybody make the cut? Do you look at everybody like you're going to be great at this? Or do you look at some people like, oh, I don't know if this is for you? Well, funny you should say that. I'm actually in Nashville right now. I'm okay. teaching a class down here in Nashville. I'm teaching a, a confined space rescue class in Nashville. So um, it, it, it's it's a weird experience sometimes like teaching now, being on the opposite end of things. Like you said, um, I still have a hard time uh, accepting how much time I have in my career or where I am. I still see myself as a kid sometimes. So, uh, but it's I, I enjoy it and it's an honor to be part of you know, another department's training or another firefighter's training. And, uh, you know, I've had great instructors throughout my career. I had great officers throughout my career and I had great role models throughout my career. So um, if I can repay that in any way and try and be somebody who teaches somebody or, or helps uh, instruct somebody or, you know, polishes somebody's technique on how to do something, it's an honor to do it, you know, so I enjoy um, traveling around the country uh, with the, my fellow instructors that I, I teach with <clears throat> for the International Association of Firefighters and, and teaching technical rescue and hazardous materials. So it's great. You mentioned uh, that you sometimes still feel like a kid. You can't believe how many years. How many years has it been, Justin? Uh, like I, I said it earlier, I was, I, 25 years total with the wow. department. 22 as a firefighter, three as a paramedic with the department, little three, little over three uh, as a paramedic. And it, it seems like it just, it just started, you know, when you, when you first start out, they tell you, like, you see these guys with 20 years on, you're like, wow, that's going to take forever to get there. And the first five years of your career takes the longest. And then all of a sudden, really? yeah, the first five years takes the longest. And then all of a sudden, you have 10 years, you have 15 years, you have 20 years. And you're like, wait, no way, you know, there's no way this has happened, you know, and, and maybe it's because all firefighters love our job and we have, you know, the camaraderie, like you mentioned, or the fun that we have, you know, it's just, I love going to work. I love what I do. So, uh, time flies pretty fast, too fast. 
So I can imagine the first five years take the longest because the first five years you're having a first experience almost every day, you know, with different building structures and different things yeah. you got to handle. So then by the time you've been through like, oh, I've been, I've been in a building like this before. Um, you know, I, I yeah, yeah, I know. I, 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 well, we'll do this on the roof. So you probably have a little bit more confidence after five years and then the days just start ticking by. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, you get a little bit of experience and you start to see things, you know, a second time, third time. Um, every fire is different. Every fire changes. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's you, the first five years are constant new experiences and constant new emergencies. And it's pretty interesting, but it definitely takes the longest to go through. And when you travel to different states to do this, I can only imagine there's different elements in different states. Like I always reach out to you when there's these massive fires in California because it'll be like 2% containment and they've been fighting it for like, you know, 20 days already. They have prisoners, inmates that go out to fight fires in California because it's such a common thing. There's so much dry brush. It's a desert. There's always a drought, you know. When you're going into different states, how different is the training that you're offering since there's different elements firefighters will face? It all, for the most part, the core of it is stays the same. Um, last year, I happened to be, I mean, we talked about I was in California last year. So uh, they were having the brush fires again last year. And I remember them saying, oh, it's going to be windy this weekend. We're definitely going to have fire. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, it's just because it's so different from working in an urban setting like yeah. I do being in a city, you know, um, but every department has their own, uh, personality and every department has their own unique, um, hazards, you know, right now I'm in Nashville yeah. and it's a city. They have so much construction going on down here. Um, you go to other part, other departments that are a little bit more rural, you know, working in New York, we have, um, so much more manpower than other departments. So sometimes I find it fascinating how they can get the same job done um, with less amount of people, you know. So um, I learn just as much on these when I'm out teaching as I do as an instructor. You touched a bit on uh, water rescues, and I want to talk about the fact that one of your passions is scuba diving. Did the two connect with each other? Uh, this training made you realize, I want to do this? Because when you're not fighting fires, you're taking amazing photos with GoPros under the yeah. ocean somewhere. Um, it, it does. The mental aspect of it definitely does. Um, and learning how to just stay calm and slow down. Like I said, that those first five years – you know, you're that kid on prom night. You just want to go a hundred miles an hour, you know, and, and, you know, but now you slow down and you start to appreciate everything and, and it builds your senses. When you slow down, you start to really be able to take in everything that's in your surroundings. And I had an officer years ago who came from real ghetto companies and had a lot of time on the job fought as much fire as anybody ever has. And he came to our company as an officer and that was his thing. Slow down, listen, look. And I learned so much from that guy at just for fighting fires. I mean, he was an amazing. And that, that takes place in scuba diving as well. Just slowing down your skills get better. You know, it's an old military saying slow, this slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So, uh, that's just part of it. How the two trainings kind of coincide, but, uh, yeah, I love diving. I'm going cave diving next week. <laughs> Where? 
I'm going back to Mexico. To, I love that. That's like my happy that's place. Spot you love. <laughs> yep. You have a spot there that you totally love. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably people's biggest issue. Their first couple of times they dive is that panic. You know what I mean? That like breathing too heavy, getting your heart elevated and all that. And you just can't do that. You know what I mean? You have to be, okay, I'm, I've got everything I need. I've got to go down slow and I've got to just breathe regular. Well, we'll find out this summer when we, when we get you in the water and instruct you. So we'll have to bring bring that episode. We'll do that with Jaden Cole. It'll be a three person episode since she already dives, you already dive and I'm going to do this. Uh, What is the, what is the scariest uh, call you ever got? And the one challenge that in this call where you got there and you were like, okay, this is like really out of control. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, cause like I said, there's all different things. Um, the things that, uh, probably my first fire is probably my scariest fire. Um, and only because it was so new and I was af- so afraid of letting like the guys that I worked with down and it was a unique fire. It was, uh, it was a corner building. The hydrant was on a block away at the other corner and, it was a long stretch with the hose line and the hose line kind of got stuck under something for a small bit. And of course, anything that goes wrong in my mind, it's not anybody else's fault. It's gotta be my fault. And it, and it, it wasn't really anybody's fault. It was just those things you learn, these things kind of happen. And I was just so worried about letting the other guys down and so worried about like um, just myself not being a disappointment. And this was something I wanted to do for so long. So you know, I was terrified. I was scared. And um, I do tell the story. I, I was trying to flake out the hose line. And I had an instructor in proby school um, who passed away on Father's Day. There was a bad fire in Astoria, Queens on Father's Day where we lost three guys. And Brian was there. And Brian looked like the, the cowardly lion, you know. And he had hands the size of, like, the table that I'm on right now, you know. And he saw me and he hit me between my bottle and my shoulder. And he was like, didn't I tell you this was great? And of course I fell down because he was a monster. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, this is, you know, in my mind, like, this is great. This is terrifying, you know? And, um, but as soon as the fire was out, like it was a ride. And I was like, I want to do it again, you know? And, and he was right. And, you know, you start to have fun at these things. So, um, that was definitely probably like the scariest thing just for, for, for that social acceptance and, you know, being part of the team and not letting the team down and all. So. And you mentioned the older infrastructure in New York in different places in New York. Astoria is a very old area. Having a fire uh, hydrant around the block is not handy. Yeah. It's not no, good. Not no, new much. cities are built very differently. I imagine. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. When you go to other cities, it's, it's, it's cool. Like I, you know, I've been to Phoenix a number of times. I have some friends out there. And that's a relatively new city, right? It's a city it in is. the desert. It's a relatively new city. And, you and you know, so I notice things that other people probably don't notice. Like, oh, there's a lot of fire hydrants or, you know. Of course it, you would. You would notice yeah. that, of course. Yeah, and the infrastructure. So um, luckily the cities, you know, New York is getting better at it and they're constantly working on it. But there's so much to like work on that it may not always be you know, like when you want it to happen. Yeah. And also it's older buildings. There's a lot of older buildings here, right? That's a huge issue. Uh, remember when I was in my new building for a couple of months, I texted you one day and said, yo, uh, there's water gushing out from a, a unit above me. Please tell me what's happening. And you said, yeah, there was a fire. You gave me the unit number. You said it's out. Well, what I realized from these newer buildings is 
The sprinkler system, Justin, is so good that it puts the entire thing out, but that unit had feet, couple feet of water. I was five floors down and six floors down and I got water gushing out of my receptacles. Like there was water damage for four floors, but we take the water damage over losing the apartment or having a major fire that affects other residents because we were told not even to leave our floor until the alarm went off on that floor. Cause of course elevators are closed. Don't need to be in anybody's way in the stairwell, leaving that free for the firemen to do their job. Yeah, that's that's part of it. Like, you know, here we go again, right? New York. We we live in a city that has really big buildings, you know, so the stairways can get congested and the stairway we need, you know, one set of stairways that we call an attack stairway where that's the stairway we're going to bring the hose up in. Um, We try and leave a stairway that's called an evacuation stairs for for the people who live in the building to evacuate. But, you know, smoke gets in those stairways. And if you're yeah. if you're safer in your apartment, then stay in your apartment. You know, if we think you need to get out, we'll get you out, you know. But so, sometimes you become part of the problem, you know, and not part of the solution. Sure. Staying in your apartment is, is really the answer. So um, and it's accountability. You know, maybe now an alarm is going off in your apartment and, you know, there's 300 firemen going because it's Lisa Ann's apartment and they all want to get to Lisa Ann's apartment. Yeah, no. That would be great. Hey, it's me. Uh, my apartment's on fire. What do I do? Right. Uh, no, I just remember the water gushing it. I mean, I, I literally, I thought the pool had broken on the rooftop because the way the pressure was. But what got me was I looked over at the other buildings around me and like every maintenance man was standing on the roof watching. And I'm like, oh yeah, my building's fucking on fire. I got to hit up Justin. I got to find out what's going on. There's something going on. But I heard no alarm. And then when I called the front desk, it's crazy because it was so high up that the firemen were here before the front desk even knew about it because that's how quickly the communication is with the emergency systems that we've had. I guess as soon as the sprinklers go off, you're contacted and then here we go. But yeah, the high rise is a different element. I would be silly. Pretty much around the block. So yep. Sure do. I would be silly not to ask you what tips you give to just people, people like myself, fire prevention tips. What are the little (laughs) things that people do? I know space heaters are a big one in the city and back East, but in California, that's not a thing at all. So what little tips do you give people to protect their homes? Um, Well, the first one, call 911, right? Like if there's a problem, call the professionals. That's what we're here for. You know, people who try and do it all themselves and then they're going to call 911, things have progressively gotten worse. Um, So call 911. You know, um, the other thing, space heaters and everything, like you said, Christmas trees, you know, in the city, but like surge protectors, everybody's got power strips in their house, you know, um, buy a good one, Okay. <laughs> you know, don't buy a cheap one. Don't save money on it. Buy a good one that, you know, you okay. can trust. And, um, cause they can heat different. up, right? Yeah. They, I mean, they work those surge protectors, those power strips, the good ones, they work. You don't have to worry about them being you know, like overloaded so much. And then that right. causes the problem again, old city, right? You go into some apartments in the city and they don't have a lot of outlets in the apartment. Right. So what do they do? They run like cheap extension. 20 cords. things. Yeah. Yes. They go to the 99 yeah. cent store and get a cheap extension cord. And then they put a power strip in that. And then, you know, they, they, you, you, I get it. You want to save some money and you buy the cheaper ones, but it, it could be dangerous for you, you know, but that's really it. Learn, you know, call 911 is the big one. You know, I, if you can identify that there's a problem and it, yeah, it's hard to not identify a fire, but 
if you can identify if there's a problem, getting the people there that can help you early is the best way to do it. Whether it's, you know, medical intervention, fire, get, sure. get the help that you need right away. You know, what do you see as the most common cause of an apartment or a house fire? Let's say here in New York city. Um, stupidity, <laughs> you know, like just not paying attention to something. You know, I mean, my fire was started because the guy left a massage heater on on a piece of furniture that was fabric and it eventually just heated up. And he also had carpet through his whole apartment. Like everything this guy had was flammable. So it just burned so fast. Yeah. You know, unless you've lived through one, you take it for granted, you know, and I've had friends that have had fires in their house or their apartment and they'll never, you know, even if it wasn't their apartment that it it started and They'll never do those things that started that fire again, you know? So we take for granted that things are always going to be safe, right? Especially in the comfort of your own home. Like that's your safe place. So you're like, sure. Hey, nothing can happen here, you know? So it's not necessarily there. It, you know, like they meant to do it, but it was of course an not. Never. You know, it's like, just little tiny things. It can be leaving a hair utensil on, you know, a straightening iron on. Like everything that I buy that I use, Justin, has an automatic shutoff. It's like one of the oh, things I, I have to have in my life. Why wouldn't I? Because then you don't get to work or somewhere and be like, did I unplug the iron? You know, because irons used to be a big cause of oh, fire. Yeah. They just kept, remember the old ones that weighed like 100 pounds? They yeah. just kept heating up and heating up. They had no device that was like, shut off or not get hotter. They just kept getting hotter. Right. So it was little things like that. But yeah, when I started buying appliance, when the automatic shut off thing started to become a thing, I was like, I'm all over that for everything. Coffee pot, hair straightener, curling irons. Why not? Yes. Your apartment might be the safest apartment in New York city. <laughs> so now let's talk about our fantasy football league and your history with fantasy football league. I was very, very honored to be invited into the squad 18 league. It is by far my favorite in-person draft. Um, I've got to come to kill this year because I've freed up my life and schedule to do so. My very first league year in the league though, somehow I pulled off the victory and got the trophy. How long has the league been going squad 18? Uh, I think it's been going about six years, maybe. And okay. I think you've won twice out of those six years that you've been in. So, um, yeah. uh, show off, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I love our, our draft. So, uh, and you bring a great element to it. So it's just a great group of people between the fireman. We got the firehouse mailman, the mailman, like it's yeah, such a delivers. great group. He delivers every time he delivers. He does not deliver in fantasy football, though. I sure hope he listens to this. Uh, he hasn't won in a while, has he? Has the mailman won? I don't. He's never won the league, no. But he's so fun to be at the draft with. Were you playing fantasy football before you guys started the league six years ago? Yeah, I, I was playing in an, a couple of different leagues, you know, and that, that's part of it, right? The live drafts, the fun, you know, the interaction with it. We definitely got to get a little bit more talking in our league, but uh, um yeah, I've been playing for a while. And then, you know, after, you know, once our friendship has blossomed and realizing how much, uh, how good you are at it, you were a natural uh, invite into the league. 
it's always fun to be the only girl in the league as well and do well because everyone's like, what? But I also just listen to everything all day, all the time. You know, it is when you're working at your office or doing something, nothing's better in the background than sports radio. I, I don't know. It's just oh, nothing better. I'd rather not have the TV on. I just want sports radio. Just keep it coming because there's always something happening, especially right now. Free agency has been off the charts. Well, the season's been crazy so far. So I wish what my moves, would what do, moves do you like? Your, who's your team again? The Giants. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you yeah. guys have been pretty quiet. They have, they have. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. I don't know. What moves do you like the most this year? I mean, I really like Russell Wilson to Denver. Think about how that altitude is going to help the toss of his ball. I was I was praying that the Giants would trade everything for Russell Wilson, but yeah, that's probably the the best move so far that I Deshaun, like. I, I love Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland was completely unexpected to me. Yeah, there's been a, look the trade yesterday, right? Matty Ryan and all. So it's been a lot of moves that I don't think a lot of people saw coming in uh, in football this season. So it'll make fantasy even better next year. And, this and, is why you have to pay attention, you know. And listen, don't give me oh, I like being the only girl in the drafting. Nobody's taking you for granted in any fantasy football league, Miss Champion over here. So I do realize that I am a, uh, my friends always say this, you're a guy in a girl's body. Like you're a, just a guy in a girl's body. So we don't really look at you like a girl when you're at the draft. Yeah, you hide it well. <laughs> so Justin, how long do you plan to continue being at the firehouse before you move into being a full-time teacher and sharing? Because you love what you do and you're a great teacher and a great human and you inspire. Do you think you'll be at the firehouse for how many more years will I get to go down there and hang out with you guys? Um, listen, wherever I work, you're always invited, but, um, I don't know. I'm planning on sticking around for a while. Uh, I, I still love what I do. So, uh, you know, that's the hard part. See, being closer to the end than the beginning is a little bit harder, but, uh, I'll definitely be here for a while. I'm still having, you know, as long as I'm having fun, then, uh, that's it. There's some new challenges coming my way in the, in the department, but, uh, um, we'll see what happens and, I'm just looking forward to it. It's still the best. Uh, we have a saying, and um, sometimes you'll see it online. Guys post, you know, FDNY, still the best job on on earth. So it was, a, it was a flyer that went up after September 11th, and it's, you know, 20, almost 21 years later, it's still true to this day. So um, like I said, I'm lucky. I, I, I work with the best men and women in the world. And um, I remember going to um, – uh, a not a memorial. It was in honor. It was it was one of the like fraternal organizations. They were honoring a, this legendary old captain, and he said that he never worked a day in his life and he never had to grow up. And I was like, man, if that don't sum it up, you know, like, and that's the way I feel. You know, you have some rough days, but the be the better days definitely outweigh them than anything else. You're truly in a great place in life to love what you do so much. And we're also very lucky that there's men and women out there in the world like yourself who find a passion to save and help other people because without you, we would all be a hot mess. <laughs> well, you know, that, that, everybody should have that in them, right? That would make the world a better place. So, but I'm the lucky agree, one. Like I said, I'm the lucky one. I got friends like you. I have, I work alongside the best people. So it's hard not to have a, a good life with that. 
I'm so thankful to have you in my life as one of my best friends. Everyone should know you are always the first man that comes into my apartment because I need the good energy of good my good best friend. My dude is coming in. He gets to see my apartment first because I want those footsteps of the first male in the door to be somebody that has the best energy, the best attitude. You always protect me. You always look after me. You don't really just protect me. You protect this entire city. But thank you for who you are and everything that you do and for sharing your story with my listeners today. Today, Justin. Oh, stop, stop it. It's a pleasure. Are you kidding? Anything for you. And anytime you, if you move, I don't know if you're allowed to move again because it's going to be tough. I don't think I am. I, by the way, I, I, I briefly mentioned to someone that I saw these sick new apartments being built in Nashville and my, my editor Kay lives in Nashville now and like sick and like, you know, of course, twice the size of the New York apartment, like half the money. And when I just briefly touched on this, it, it, it hit a lot of resistance. Uh, so no, I'm planted here. The people I love the most, those so many of them are all over. You're here. And we have to go to the Rockettes every year. And our timing this year was amazing. Because like three days after they went, we went to the crazy. Rockettes. They closed it again. I was like, that was awesome. I was just looking at those pictures actually the other day, man. It, that was such a great night. And that di- the dinner was night. amazing. Dinner was amazing, but I love you so much. And thanks for joining me here today, Justin. Stop it. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you when I get home. Thank you, Justin Ensman, for joining. Follow him and congratulate him on his success for finding a job that he loves and his passion for helping other people at E-M-A-N-N-6, Twitter and IG. That's E-M-A-N-6 on Twitter and IG. It is time. What you've been all waiting for. That is right. The mailbag. If you have a question for me, you want to be part of the Lisa Ann experience, just send your questions to asklisaann at gmail.com. This is the Ask Lisa Ann segment of the podcast. And I got to say, I am actually incredibly surprised and delighted by the emails that I've been getting lately because they're actually like some good questions, not your normal, just creepers going to creep questions, uh, actually good questions. So let's start with this right here. IFD Wolf says, you were awesome with Carton and Roberts earlier this week. I have to admit, I had never heard of you before, but I guess that makes me an idiot. Does not make you an idiot, buddy. It's totally fine. Hopefully you'll be on with them Fridays during football season. My question is, are you surprised that Tom Brady came back? a great question because I think we all weren't sure about his retirement. And I will say the first thing I thought about when he announced he is coming back is the person who spent a half a million dollars on the very last football that was thrown out as a catch for Tom Brady. But now I see he is offering that person some Bitcoin uh, because he feels bad about it as well. I'm not surprised. You know, he is still physically in great shape. He has conditioned his body to be in this pattern of his life. His whole life is football. And I'm sure the first couple of weeks it felt good to be home. But there's a sense of being lost when you're competitive, when you've done the same thing for so many years. As a football player, they get this little bit of downtime. Then they know they're going to be amping up for spring training. Right now, they're listening to what's happening on every team that's making news in free agency. Because as a player, you're now looking at that breakdown of that team similar to a fantasy football player. And you're looking at how different do the Denver Broncos look with Russell Wilson? How different will the Cleveland Browns look with Deshaun Watson? Like this is study time. So I wasn't that surprised. 
you know, being competitive is somewhat addicting. Uh, it's also a challenge when you become a certain age where you're like, I just want to see if I could still do it. So it's also great for ratings. Everybody loves to watch Tom Brady play football. They love to see what he can do bringing a team together. They love to see what a great leader he is. There's so much more than just him on the field that is fantastic. And from what everybody says on other interviews, when I hear players, uh, coaches, when I hear people talk about Tom Brady, they talk about the fact that he is so present in the moment, that he talks to everybody at the facility. He knows everybody's story. He's just a good dude. And so for that reason alone, it's great to have him back in football. It was a little bit surprising, but I wasn't shocked. Thank you for the good question. I appreciate it. Next question right here at Ask Lisa Ann from Danny. Hi, Lisa. I'm reading your first book now. Looking forward to reading your new book. My question is, what was the most rewarding feedback about writing the, your first book? I think the most rewarding feedback from my first book was just a better understanding of the industry. Um the adventures that I got to take and travel. I think people didn't realize how much of the world I've gotten to see through being in the industry, how I got in by, like I had mentioned earlier in the podcast about studying the girls that were coming in through owls. So really just getting to that like underbelly of my perspective as at that time, the most popular porn star in the world and what it was like to be me and how I became me. I think the most rewarding part about writing any book is finishing it stopping the editing, stopping the madness of rewriting and re-editing, the completion. It's just the best feeling. And with this new book, so far the most rewarding response I got was from a man who has teenage daughters. And he wrote to me an email and he said, I just want to tell you something. Your book has made me want to be a better father and has made me want to understand more of what my daughters are up against with social media and how cruel people can be. And so he wants to be more present. That was like, ugh, that's the best response ever. But if you haven't yet, you can get both of my books autographed by me, of course, from my store at shoplisaann.com. Or if you'd like to just use Amazon, take advantage of your prime, you can get both of my books on Amazon. The Life is my first book. It's available in hard copy, Kindle, and audiobook. My new book, The Life Back, is available on paperback and hard copy. And Kindle, the audiobook, will be later this year. So thank you, Danny, for the great question. William asked me, what is my favorite sport to watch on TV? So of course I love watching football and of course I love watching basketball because it's so much action, right? There's so much to see and it's so fast paced, especially hoops. But if I was to secretly tell you what the actual, what's called, what I love, I love to watch golf on TV. That's right, William. I love to watch golf on TV because the way they capture the sounds of the birds and these beautiful golf courses all around the world, the most magnificent and well-maintained pieces of nature just being celebrated with this rigid and rule-filled sport. The broadcasters talk in a real, the dulcet tones. Everybody is just super mannered. It's just, I love the, I love it. I love all of it. So for William's question, it's golf. I got one more here for you and let's see which one I'm going to go with. Okay. This is a good one. This is from Lou and Lou would like to know, how do you plan your photo shoots around the city? 
Do you and or Allie or other photographers scout out your locations or do you just find a spot? I know you've said you have security with you, which is understandable, but it must make it difficult to find locations. I hope the book sales are continuing to go well. Thank you, Lou, for the great question. I thought this was a neat one. So I am always wandering around the city, taking photos of different buildings and spots I want to shoot. I schedule the time with Allie to go out and shoot photos. And we're on our hustle. Like we're somewhere for like 10 minutes and then we move to the next location. I pack a bag of different wardrobe changes so I can put on different jackets and scarves so that I'm giving away a, a little secret here, a little behind the curtain, but so that you all think that I'm out there shooting every single day when really it's only once in a while, but I change my clothes a lot. Um, we scout out locations together. I do most of the scouting. I do all of the setup. I do the wardrobe. I do what I'm hoping to achieve. And normally before the day starts, I have a full rundown written out for whatever photographer I'm working with, with what are my goals of the day? Um, you know, whether it's how many outdoor shots, whether it's, it's national strawberry month and I need to shoot some photos of strawberries, whatever it may be that's important is all written down in a detailed list that we can hit these targets. And if we have extra time, then we'll take some extra fun shots. Shooting photos around the city is so fun for me because when we get different statues or different monuments, before I post the photo, I actually get to take the time and learn more about them so I can put some facts in. I put most of this stuff on my IG, which is at the real Lisa Ann. Um, and I just love it. So when it comes to people in the city, when you're out shooting photos, people are very mindful I don't get uh, guys will roll up. Hey, Lisa, what's up? Or Hey, Lisa, what's up? But they know I'm busy and they don't bother me, which is so cute and so lovely. And I love my New Yorkers for that reason. Uh, so it's easier than you would think. It's easier than being stationed at a restaurant, sitting down or being out at a bar or something. It's much easier because we're just moving. But I love to share New York City photos with you. I will be sharing more. You can see the photos from my trip trip to Breckenridge with Fitzoda. You can get Fitzoda pretty much everywhere. Soon to also be in Sevs. That's right, Seven Eleven picking up Fitzoda. But I know you can get it on Amazon. I know you can get it at Target. I know you can get it pretty much everywhere. It's amazing. I love all the flavors and some fun facts I learned this weekend. I learned that you can put the black cherry Fitzoda inside red wine, like you mix them together. And for me. That's great because then I don't get the feeling of being buzzed as fast because I kind of water it down and I'm adding in some really good ingredients to the wine. You can put the sparkling citrus, which I'm drinking today, inside a white wine, but you like you make your own little cocktail. And I learned that this weekend and I absolutely loved it. Just like I absolutely love all of you. Those of you making time to listen to my podcast, support my ventures, bring out the best in me. And not do shady things like I've just experienced, but there'll be more of that, I'm sure. That's just how the ball rolls. But for those of you who know me, you know, I've lived a different life, but the same, right? I just want to have good friends, loved ones in my life, uh, a healthy attitude, a positive outlook. Um, those are all the simplicities that we all kind of can agree we want. And those are the same things that I've always strived for my entire life. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. 2 p.m. Friday afternoon on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann. I will be right there with you in the chat. I'm sorry. I'm, I was on the slopes during the last one. And then the following one, I was coming back from that podcast. Podcast. I missed it. So there've been times where I have been able to be there, but my assistant is always there chatting with you, but I will be there moving forward. I've got it locked and loaded. I thank you all so much for listening. Stay tuned. If you want to know where I'm going to be and where you can find me, I will be doing my travel dates, my appearance dates coming up right after this till next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lisa Ann experience.
Here I am with my tour dates. I will be in Vegas for the NFL draft at the Crazy Horse 3, which is the 28th, 29th, 30th. I want to be sure I'm saying that right as I'm checking my phone. And I was 28, 29, 30th. I will be at the Miami Exotica July 15th through 19th. In October, I will be at the Jersey Exotica. In December, I will be at the DC Exotica. And for my New Yorkers, I got two events in one day, May 14th, May 14th, 12 to 5 Eastern time. I will be doing a signing at Dave and Buckster's in Times Square on 42nd. And then that night I will be out at Harbor Nightclub hosting and partying on with my friends for the big birthday. Stay tuned on all of my social media at The Real Lisa and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Do not fall for imposters. I hope to meet and greet you in person and sign your book personally. Thanks so much for staying for the tour dates. 